You know what I do? I I uh, I use like Windex. Sure, you know? the, the old Windex trick. Sure, but I but I leave the carcasses so that in case some of their friends walk by, they see what's coming for them. The horror. That's right. It's like you, you put the little uh, ant heads on spikes outside of town. That's right. <laughs> this is what this is what you're in for, boys. <laughs> One thirty-seven today, Tuesday, Tuesday, episode one thirty-seven. Oh, I thought, I thought you meant it was one thirty-seven in the afternoon. I was like, "Where are yeah. you in the world? Yeah. Where, <laughs> where, where have you gone?" Uh, no, episode one thirty-seven. You are you are listening to uh, the On Taking Pictures program. Thank you, David. Yes, uh, my name is Jeffrey Sidoris from Fade and Blur. With me, the 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 miserably cold and wet and rainy, yet still surprisingly fancy. Bill Watman. You know, thank you. Uh, you know, there are um, up in Vermont and Maine and, and that sort of area, people have what they call chamois shirts. They're sort of are, these. Are they literally what they sound like? Uh, <laughs> shirts made out of what you would call a chamois out west where you yeah, wash your car. Yeah. Like the ShamWow guy? No, it's more of a, uh, like a, a like a flannel, like a tight flannel kind of thick shirt that they wear. All right. And, and I was going up to Vermont this weekend uh, uh, with Conrad and – we were at uh, Uniqlo the other week. Did you? You guys have Uniqlo down in out in California now, don't you? The Japanese I've never, company. I've never heard of it. I, okay. Oh wait, 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 wait. Uh, it's like a Japanese H and M, or you know what I mean? Yes. Like it's, yeah. Yes. It's like IKEA for clothes, but from Japan. Right. right. I have seen this. Uh, I've never purchased anything. You've Although, heard ooh, tell. Wow. I've heard tell, and uh, I'm looking at the homepage right now. This water defender down jacket looks pretty sweet yeah their 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 stuff is pretty good and, and it's generally fairly cheap and it's fine you know as long as if it fits you it's like sort of you know buying is stuff it fairly around. cheap or is it fairly inexpensive um it is inexpensive and it is they're decently built right? okay so right. you know it's not high end but you know you you're getting more than you pay for anyway I went there the other day to buy some socks and some stuff because they make this stuff called heat tech that that you you put on as the bottom layer close to your skin and it's some synthetic fiber that uses sweat that comes out of your skin to create heat so that it keeps you warm like as a first layer and it really works like to the point where it's almost overheating some of the time like you feel sort of constrictive in it but if you're really cold so anyway we brought some up to to Conrad's family and they had this this plaid uh what I would call a chamois shirt, but I'm sure somebody who actually wears chamois shirts would have, would be offended by the term. Uh, this plaid sort of uh, heavier shirt, and on the inside, it's lined with like fake fur. Right. So it's, you wore this. I I bought it for twenty nine dollars or whatever the hell it was thirty dollars, and it is like the best purchase I've made in months. So I'm wearing my fake chamois shirt right now, lined with fur. Line, well, it's like you know this like you know like a little furry inside, yeah. It's like uh-huh. a little uh, padded shirt. Hey, you know uh-huh. what? If it was 30 degrees where you are right now, you'd be crying. <laughs> so if it was 30 degrees where I am right now, I'd be in the car moving. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, what are you going to do? Hey, uh, uh, so we got lots of stuff to talk about. We got lots of stuff. Can I start with one? one th- I got an email from a listener. May I, may I, may sure. I just is this, is give this, him a is little? Is this administrative uh, stuff or is this a real thing? No, it's a real thing. Oh, okay, what's the email? It's a real thing. Uh, so this is from uh, a fellow named Tony Zarek. Tony, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name right because we're apparently as, bad at that. Yeah, as as everyone knows, we 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 are horrible at it. Uh, 
He uh, he says, I just wanted to tell you how much I like Faded and Blurred and the OTP podcast. Thank you. Uh, much like you, I wanted to be an animator like Chuck Jones or Tex Avery. My parents told me I would never be an animator and always threw out anything I drew. Even though I was voted most artistic at every level in school, they'd beaten the hope out of me. Wow, that's incredibly sad. It is. Okay. It is. But wait, wait. There's okay. a, there's, okay. there's a just, silver lining. Just wait. Okay. We're, we're only the first act. Okay. We, sure. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, I stopped drawing for 15 years and only picked up a camera for the first time about eight years ago. After listening to you always saying to ship or putting your art into the world, I decided to get myself a Squarespace site. I haven't even finished building all the pages yet, but decided to go live with it anyway. I was quickly contacted to have five of my photos in a vintage sign art show. And he includes a link. Then another gallery contacted me to have my flower photos on an art show too. Uh, last week I was emailed by a small independent record label to illustrate some album covers and design a logo for them. So thank you for giving me the push I need, I needed. Uh, it's paid off almost immediately for me. Thanks again, Tony. Uh, Tony, th- this is, this is one of the reasons we do the show. So thank you for writing in and, and your stuff is terrific. Uh, your sketches are, are kind of like somewhere between, uh, here, let me, let me show you this bill. Uh, I'm looking so, at it now. Okay. Uh, Somewhere between Shag and uh, some of my favorite cartoons as a kid. Yeah, they're cute. You know, you've got a great style. Uh, your photos are, I, I love the small town uh, scenes. Do more, please. Um, really nice stuff. So thank, thanks for writing in. I appreciate you taking the time to do that. I like how we're uh, changing people's lives day by That's day. That's great, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's really like it. it I, I will tell you, though, that sometimes it makes me feel. Um, a certain air of responsibility for what we say. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, look, I, yeah, it's, it makes me feel like, Oh, Oh, now, now I have to, <laughs> now I have to yeah. say, make sure I don't, we don't disappoint anybody. Yeah. But so that's great. A, yeah. It's really terrific. So thank you, uh, Tony. Congratulations. Uh, Tony. That in. Yeah. Thanks. All right. What, what do you, what do you, what have you got? What do you, uh, you have something? Well, we were we were <laughs> gonna start with one of the twenty seven thousand emails we get from Mike Sakasagawa. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we were gonna talk about it last week. We moved it to this week. Yeah. So apparently, we we kind of m- misinterpreted one of one of the email threads, and yeah. and the, the the core of it was was what makes. A good photograph. Right. And we discussed this if, for an hour about two weeks ago. Uh, well, but, but we, we actually, we didn't because we, we were discussing what makes a good photographer. Right, right. Exactly. So, so we were incorrect. So now we're going to go back and, and talk about what makes a good photo. But I, this is one of those things where is there any answer? Well, okay. Let me let me read one little thing from from one of the emails here. Okay. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The uh, uh, we were talking about film and digital, um, and when we've talked about that a couple times, right? And and Mike writes, I think there's a difference between being shot on film is quote being shot on film is not enough to make a photograph good end quote and quote this photograph isn't good because it was shot on just because it was shot on film. Uh, uh, this is, uh, that is, I've heard you say the latter a bunch of times, often followed by something like it would be good if you shot it with a DSLR. 
And while I'm sure that there are scenes or subjects that could be shot with a number of different techniques and still result in good photographs, there's something about this statement that bugs me a bit. Right. I think it's this. If we accept that being shot with a particular film stock or sensor or using a particular processing style will result in a look that is unique to that technique or technology, then in order to say that a photograph isn't good because of that look, there must be an underlying assumption that we can separate absolutely the photograph from what the photograph looks like, and I don't think we can do that. Uh, okay, I, I would like to point out, because I, I wrote back an answer, uh, reply to this one, saying that my meaning wasn't this would look good if you shot it on film. It was, this would also look good if you shot it on film or digital. You know, that if a good picture was taken on film and it was a good picture, that take it on anything and it should still be a good picture. That was my point. It wasn't that the film version sucks and it would be good if it was shot on digital. It was, if the film version is good, it's probably a good picture. And if you shot on digital, it would be just as good of a photograph. It wasn't the film that made it good. Is, right, is but is sometimes it is the film that makes it good. Would, would lighter's stuff... Be just as well, good. Well, later in his life, he shot in, in digital. He I understand kept, that. He could have continued to shoot in film. I understand that. Well, no, he couldn't have because they quit making Kodachrome. Okay, true. And, and to, to be fair, there's still nothing that looks like Kodachrome, period. True. So, so it, it, do, does the fact that it was shot with Kodachrome make it better? Okay, okay. Well, okay. Okay, so wait a minute. There's one Go more ahead. little paragraph. One more little paragraph. Again, this isn't to say that a particular look is necessarily sufficient to make a good photograph. It's quite possible to make a bad photograph using any given technique. True. True. Uh, but it seems to me that it's completely fair to say that a particular photograph wouldn't be as good if it looked different. I'm sure we can all think of examples of good black and white photos that wouldn't have been good in color and vice versa. Clearly, Eggleston's red ceiling wouldn't have worked in all black and white. So how is this different from saying that a particular Type 55 shot wouldn't be good if it had been done with Tri-X? It's a similar difference, to be sure, but it's still a change that would result in a picture that looks different. And a photograph being a visual thing, what else is there besides what it looks like? That's what I wanted to get to. What else is okay. there? If, if, we, if we extrapolate sort of any meaning from them and just get down to does the way this photograph looks affect me, move me? And, and if it does, is that part and parcel to the way, the medium, or the post-processing that we've, that we've put on it? Um. You know, you, you, you have, uh, like, like anyone who's shooting digital, you have a post-processing process <laughs> workflow process yeah process sure. routine yeah i do so that my you, stuff you, i feel like is trying to bring some consistency to my own work that is above and beyond whatever comes right out of the camera right but but if they're good photos then yep. why not just put them up out of the camera uh true um because yeah. they're not good photos out of the camera <sighs> i think they're fine photos out of camera i think that they're better photos when i'm done with them um but I mean, do you, do you know anybody that puts up a digital photo straight out of camera? I don't. Yeah, I don't either. But then again, in the film days, the you know you made all kinds of decisions along the way. It's just that with digital, the decisions are pushed toward the end. You know, if you were but, shooting but you film, make, you'd choose which film you were going to use and who you're going to have process it and what kind of paper they printed on and you know all those things. Mm -hmm. um, no, you're right. I guess the question is. 
you know, if you go back, if you go back to painting, you know, frescoes have a certain look, you know, people sure. And, and, you know, would, would the, would the, uh, Sistine ceiling look the same if it was painted with, you know, uh, uh, acrylic paints on, 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 on boards and pasted up there, you know? Well, no, I don't think it would. And no, I think wouldn't. that's part of the point that, that, that Mike is making and that, that we're kind of talking about is if you're a watercolorist, that's what you use. And yeah. part of what makes your stuff look like it does is the fact that you're using watercolor. Yes. But I also think that a, a using a, say using watercolor in, in your example or using Polaroid, like we talked about a few weeks ago, I feel like if, if the picture, if what makes the picture is good is almost entirely or entirely about the medium. Like it looks cool because there was like holes in the, Holga that I used or whatever it is, you know, in the crappy plastic lens. But if it was taken with not something like that, it just would look like a tree sitting in a forest. I feel like it takes a lot of the burden off of the photographer and puts it all on the camera. In which case, what did the photographer do that was that special? He chose, but still to, making he chose to use a Holga. Well, okay. Well, everyone can choose to use a Holga, which is probably why so many well, people use, you know, put the put the filters on their Instagram pictures because they think it instantly makes them look better. But the, um, the, that that argument that well, everyone can do it. Well, you know, everyone could have dripped paint on a canvas too, but they didn't. Yeah. Okay. But everyone could like you. So you're just saying by picking up a certain paintbrush. It sh- it, if if a certain paintbrush makes everyone's work look good, then everyone's work is good, and it has nothing to do. And the paintbrush is, is no, that's not what I'm saying at choice? all. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that that I could go drip paint on a canvas, and it's going to look nothing like Pollock. True. I could I could go because you're not drunk f- right now. That's right. <laughs> well that you know of. Uh, bum, bum, bum. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you could hey. get a four by five, go up in the mountains, and your stuff's not going to look like that. Ansel. Right. Yep. Or, sure. or I could, you know, uh, get a couple slices of, of Polaroid 55 and it's not going to look like, like your terrific sure. portraits that, that, right. that I love. So, so there, but there, there are absolutely, but there are, but there are some people for whom it is enough that my pictures were taken with say Polaroid 55 cause you brought it up and that, and they love my pictures, not because they actually think the pictures are cool, just cause they like the cool borders. There was a guy who wrote but, but, me. But who's to say that they're wrong? I mean, the, the, one, the one photo, okay. and in fact, uh, listeners, if you, if you do a search, if you, if you do a Google search for Polaroid 55, the second image that comes up is one of Bill's shots. Is it really? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, the, the, uh, isn't, that, isn't that Melissa's boss? Oh, that is. That's Pino. Yeah. Okay. So, so. Uh, That's interesting. And the third one. And oh, wow, a few of these are mine. Weird. Okay, so I I would put to you that part of what makes this a good photograph, yep, is the fact that you shot it with Polaroid fifty five. Had you shot this in color on your five D three, it would look like a Sears Portrait Studio shot because you've got a little modeled background and a guy just standing there. And part of what meant, and that's maybe a little harsh, but part, yep. you get what I'm saying. Part of what I'm saying, part of what makes this good is is the medium that it was shot with. Yeah, I guess that if if you strip all of that away, yeah, it's just a guy standing in front of a background. Okay, fair enough. The, I I would say though that I feel like the the problem is is in the distribution of importance, and that there are people who fetishize 
a certain medium as if it has inherent specialness. And 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 look, I am guilty of this at times because I do love Polar Fifty Five that you can't get anymore. Right. Um, but, but if it is a visual medium, but I've also seen wrong. But but I've also seen a lot of crappy pictures taken on Polar Fifty Five. There there was a guy who wrote me once and asked me what film borders I was using on my Polaroid 50 on, on my Polaroids. Oh, did he really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <And> Polaroid. <laughs> so, so he thought that I was faking it, right? Mm-hmm. He couldn't tell the difference. Right. So maybe, so maybe you're, maybe you're wrong that, that it is the film. Maybe I could have taken this with a uh, Polaroid and put borders on it and it would have looked the same. Okay. F- fair point. I'm saying the In, end result, he, by the way, he also asked me to send him the border that I used Really? And and then I told him that they were real and he goes, "Well, could you send me a a real border?" And I was like, "No. I'm not going to yeah. let I'm not going to let you put a, f- a Polaroid frame on one of your pictures and act yeah. like it's there, there there's software that you can do that with." <laughs> yeah, anyway, go and ahead. It does a fine job. Um yeah, okay. So uh, fair point. Fair point that it could be fake now and if you use something like uh what is it? Uh, perfect Photo Suite. You can get close. Yeah. There's still a little difference in in the same way that that they're you know the the film processing presets are still a little different for those people who've used the actual stock. They might be able to pick that out and go, eh, it's a little different here. Right. It doesn't do this. Or do like that. when I went and saw that that um, remember I, saw, I talked about a few weeks ago. I, I saw the uh, I forget her name who went and took pictures of all the oldest living things in the world. Sure. Sure, and and sure, I sure. and I I called that they were taken on a Mamiya six or a Mamiya seven. They just had that look of mm-hmm. sort of six seven film shot on a Mamiya like thing, and they were right. So I you know yeah it happens. You can pull that out, um, but but it still comes down to whether or not the work is good, right? Um, it can. Yeah, I guess you know, I just don't. Good, I think that's what we're looking at is good. What what makes good. Is it is it the lighting that makes it good? Is it the fact that 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 you know you've got the guy's body turned perpendicular to the camera, right. but his face is turned forty five away? Is that what makes it good? Is it the that he's not smiling? Is that what makes it good? Is is it the exposure? Is that what makes it good? I think all of these things contribute, but it's really hard to put your finger on. Yes, that is what all is true. what is good, and I don't. But I don't know if there is an answer. And, and you've said this many times uh, that, that, you know, you can ask 10 different people about photos in your own portfolio and some people like this one and some people don't. Some people like that one and some people don't. But in your mind, they're all, in quotes, good photographs. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I think they're good. That's why they're in my portfolio. Exactly. It's, exactly. You know what it is? Everyone's, everyone's got their subset of stuff that they like. I have my subset of stuff that I like. And the question is whether the Venn diagram overlaps and there's stuff that, that you like of mine or Mike likes of mine or, you know, Bellward right. likes of mine. And you might and, all and like different like work of, of mine. Yep, yeah, yep. sure. And sure. even Mike, if he says in his last thing here, where is it? Um, uh, it's kind of like the way I feel about dance. I appreciate technique and difficulty and beauty of ballet, but it just doesn't move me. Meanwhile, other styles like modern and jazz and contemporary, even hip hop dance can make me smile or laugh or even cry. So, I mean... Ultimately, what is good comes down to the eye of the beholder. The question is, is there an inherent goodness to anything? Right. Is, you know? is there something sort of empirical that we can yeah. say, does it strike this, this, and this point in right. order to be good? Right. One of, my, one of my favorite books of all time is The Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. You ever read that? Uh, you've asked me about this, yes. Okay. Right. I'm sorry. We always bring it up. But, 
but there's <laughs> there's that there's that sense of there's the whole term quality in there right where right. where it's like where, somewhere in the knife's edge of experience before you make a decision on something your brain has has calculated whether something is inherently good or not right you know? right or at least that's, but that's again, his argument. What, what does that mean? And, I don't know. And with, <laughs> Persing with doesn't even know. So. <laughs> yeah. With something so subjective, and, and this is a question to Mike and, and the listeners even, uh, is there such a thing as good? Well, okay. Can, can there be an objective good? Right. And, but, but in some ways there, there, there has to be, right? Because, you know, the, the thing some kindergartner scribbles who doesn't really have an artistic talent is just literally scribbles on a page versus Starry Night. I think okay. people would choose Starry Night as higher quality than the scribbles on the page or something that I drew. Let's keep Agreed. the kid out of it. But, uh, did we talk about this on the show? The girl that the, the, the little seven-year-old girl that does right, the violins? does the violins. Yeah, we talked about that. There right. are people hailing her right, as, who think you know, that she's fantastic. I, I look at it and I go, I, I would not be one of them. Right. No. Right. Um, that that all just seems like a bunch of PR hype to me, um, right. but so yeah. What, what makes the icons iconic? What what, what is it about the pens and good, the avidons if PR. we're sticking to photography? Is it? Yeah, is it? Um, you know, is is would would avidon be as heralded as he is without Alexei Brodovich championing his work? Yeah, good question. I you know I I always find it interesting when you look at careers of of people in the arts. Mm-hmm. You look at, I always bring out Tony Bennett, right? Okay. Okay. So Tony Bennett was this. Heard you know, of him. Right. <laughs> big, big singer back in the 50s and 60s, 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever. You know, he's doing his thing. And then he kind of disappears because no one listens to that kind of music in the late 70s and 80s, right? And then his new manager, who happens to be his son, says to MTV, hey, you should have Tony Bennett do an unplugged show. I think that's what the, the pitch was. Right. And they had him on and Tony Bennett's world explodes again. He does duets for albums. He does, you know what I mean? He's Tony Bennett. He's hanging out with Lady Gaga or whatever the hell he's right, doing now. Right, right, right. And now he's hailed as this genius that he wouldn't have been in the late 80s before his resurgence. Sure. It's almost like it's almost like you have to do something really great and then go away for a while. And only later in their career do people think you're a genius. You know, also people a terrific think, painter, by the way. Yes. But you, you, people think you're a genius in the beginning and they think you're a genius at the end. In the middle, everyone's all mishmashy. You know, back when Avedon was alive, let's say the mid 80s or mid 90s towards the end of Avedon's career, people thought he was great. But I don't think people have quite the reverence they have for him now. You know, Saul Leiter's another one. He was doing all this stuff for years. No right. one gave a crap. Suddenly he puts out the, the early color book. And somehow, you know, Greenberg Gallery or whoever does a good job of, of selling it. And everyone thinks he's the, the next gift to whatever, including you and I most of the time. Right. No, so, he's fantastic. So, but, but, but is, he, is, he, is he better? I mean, can we use a, a, a term like better than Fred Herzog or Rinzi Ruiz or, you know, yeah. uh, Joe Shemansky or, 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 or? Yeah, they're just they're they're different, right? Is there yeah, is there okay, well they go all the way to the end and say is there a best photographer ever? You could take a poll of a thousand people who know right. photography history and you know, maybe you'd get 30, you know, 13% say Avedon, 12% say Penn, 15% say Sally Mann or whatever it is, right? right like right. you might have some sort of oh yeah, this one got the most votes. But I, there is no possible way that you're going to get over 50%. You know, 
same for painting, same for music, same for yeah. whatever. Yeah. What's the greatest record ever? Yeah, exactly. You know, you know it's, greatest it's a, movie ever. It's a different record every time they do the poll. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a different, you know, the, the top 10 are generally like, oh, well, yeah, yeah. Best record. Oh, it's Sergeant Pepper. Oh, it's, you know, Pet Sounds. Oh, it's you know, Highway 57 Revisit. You know, it's who, who knows, right? Right, right. Um, interestingly enough, though, when you ask what the, what the best records are, the best movies are, they're not from the last 20 years. They're not from the last 30 years. You know, there will be movies from the 60s in there, but there aren't movies from the 90s, usually. You know, not up at the, like the top five. Yeah, seventies uh, maybe. But will there Probably be as late as you go? Right, but in the seventies, if you ask what the top movies are, the movies from the seventies weren't on the list. Right. So, right. so it takes time. Things have to go away in order to come back. So, is good a moving target? Absolutely, and and, yeah. and based upon its time. Yeah. Huh. You you disagree? No, I I think I think it is. I, I, but I think that that, and, and in that it sort of bothers me in the sense that, well, well then it just sounds really relative, you know, but maybe it is right. You know, I mean, maybe there's a, maybe there's a level of, of good, but maybe, okay. Maybe good is a constant, but great comes in and out of favor in and out of fashion. Right. What's, what's the, what, there's a, oh, 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 or, oh, okay, wait, let's go back. Let's, uh, Daryl Hall, John Oates, uh, sure. what's the lyric, uh, uh, style is time, but fashion's only now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good line. So it, 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 is, is, is that something we can apply to art? It's what, what is in fashion any, at any point changes. And, and. That's part of what bothers me about it is that I want there to be an objective scale of what is good because if what is good is based wholly upon the mood of the people at the moment then then you're just you're 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 chasing a wave that is going by and it it could hit you it could not hit you and it right it it feels like your work is somewhat irrelevant to you see what I'm saying yeah I and, do but I mean and, how, and that's what's the frustrating answer? and bothers me well yeah. it it, it, it because then, then it feels like okay, well, it has nothing to do with me. Like I could do great work, and I might be completely passed over in in my lifetime or forever. Or you know, looking back on in history, you know, you, you see the how many painters in the nineteenth century were were huge in their time and completely forgotten today. Right. And how many people? And then there's you know Van Gogh, who was no one in his lifetime and is huge. Right. So. Right. You you have these you have these what is good you know you know how many how many Pollock paintings to to use your drip and paint other thing were given away to store owners to pay off beer debts yeah you know because think people thought they were not even worth twenty dollars for a case of beer for ten cases of beer whatever at the time sure it's crazy um, yeah I it, this is this is a fascinating topic and and you know and, people always say you know what is good it's what you like sure and maybe it, it is no more definable than that maybe is 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 money money plays in there somewhere right well money I mean, plays in there in the sense that certain people can push public opinion mm-hmm. you know i mean if you if you're going by dollars alone then you know Taylor Swift is the the greatest artist, you know, musician, singer, pop star, diva, whatever you want to call her. Right. Ever. Right. Right. 
Well, it's like, yeah, this is this is the biggest movie of all time. Well, when you put it into perspective of how many people there were in the country 40 years ago, it's not, you know, or whatever, you know, right. sort of uh, constant dollars kind of thing. So um, f- for for you, if if you had to 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 have three tick boxes that uh, that, that 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 have to be ticked to make a good photograph, what would they be? Is that something you can define? Nah, it's pornography. It's know it when you see it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. How often have you ever looked at a? Eh, this is tricky because I was going to say, have you ever experienced some art that you really didn't like at all, and then suddenly come to really like it later? Yes. Yeah. So it's not even an initial thing, right? No, I think it can change. You know, I've I've used the Pollock example many times. Yeah, you you didn't you didn't like Pollock at first. No, right. Do you like it now? I like it more than I did. Yeah, yeah. But I think I I think I like the sort of legend around him. I think if I'm being honest, that's what I gravitate to. Is is you know that one scene in the flick? Oh, the one the one where he's smoking, staring at the long thing. Yeah, that one. Uh, but, but you know, there's a, there's a jelly – one of my favorite records, Jellyfish Spilt Milk. That's a great um, record. There's a tune on there called All is Forgiven, and it's a lot of guitar noise. Mm-hmm. It's like just lots of – you know, just like walls of, of distortion. And I remember when I first heard that record and I would listen to it over and over again, there were a lot of times I would skip that track because I was like, mm. oh, I don't want to hear that right now. Okay. And now it's one of my favorite songs on the record. You know, so things shift over time. So if they can shift over time in my head and they can shift over time in society's head, then whose opinion is worth anything, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So in which case you ask who the greatest photographer is, well, maybe that's a meaningless thing, you know? Maybe it's just looking at, photography as a whole and you know do you like photography well you're gonna if, if you like photography i'm sure there's certain photographers and photographs that you like and there's certain ones you don't sure but again those might be different ones than the next guy and maybe it's just your 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 common love of the medium <laughs> so maybe it does come back to what we really love is the idea of images on paper or on screen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the fact that it's film or whatever Maybe what we really love is the process. Well, no, that's not true because there's a lot of people who like looking at pictures who are not completely uninterested in taking pictures. Right. A lot of people love art but have no designs on any career or hobby or yeah. engagement in yeah. that. My my uh, my friend Nick who runs the diner up the street, um, he, he in conversations we've had, he's made cracks about how he doesn't like – Modern art. He's like, oh, it's, it's like a half-empty bottle of syrup on a pedestal and, you know, like that kind of attitude. Okay. But I don't know that he's ever actually seen good conceptual art, you know, because there are really amazing things out there, you know. Um, so so for him, maybe it's just it's it's a lack of experience or needing to go see that kind of stuff with somebody who enjoys it or knows enough about it to say, this is why it's cool. And you go, oh, I see. You know, mm-hmm. this was the first time anybody did this or whatever. There's uh, on our way up to Vermont this weekend. We went to Mass Mocha, which uh, you know is where Crudson and, and Todd Reynolds hang out during the summer. 
Heard um, of them. Heard of them. Yeah. Yes. And um, we we went in and walked around. It was really great. And there was there was a there was a a, a, a piece a video piece. It was a film piece on video that they were projecting. Twenty four minutes long. And I don't have the name of it in front of me right now. Well, actually, I do. Hold on a second. Um, and I, uh, I, I was fascinated by it. Like I couldn't stop looking at it. Um, here, let me pull it up. Let's tell you exactly what it is. Uh, and it was one of those things where I was like, what is this? Who is this guy's name is Simon Starling. It's called black drop. And it's all about taking pictures of the moon, like through history. But the way it was cut and the way his voiceover was, it was sort of like this weird art piece. Huh. And it was amazing and fascinating. And I watched, I watched the whole thing and I looked this guy up and he's like, you know, around our age, like mid forties, whatever. And he became famous like 20 years ago because he did an art piece called, what was it called? Shed boat shed, all one word where he took a shed, tore it down, made a boat out of the wood, rode the boat down the Rhine river, pulled it out, took it apart and put it back in together as a shed. Wow. As a conceptual art piece. Now, wow. right. You say, wow. Cause you're into that kind of crazy stuff. If I said this to Nick, he'd be like, that's freaking stupid. You know? <laughs> okay. See fair what I'm enough. saying? But this yeah, guy won enough. like all kinds of prizes he, for this stuff. It like, looks like he's won the Turner prize. Yeah. For that piece. Hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, you never know. Right. And you never know how much of it is your experience you know, when we went to see the uh, um, Paul Strand stuff, right? You right. know, uh, you and I both liked the early portrait stuff where the light was coming up from the bottom and that kind of that kind of stuff, right? We right. liked a few of the street early stuff. There was some stuff towards the middle or towards the end that we were both sort of like, eh. You know, I remember sit, talking with Freddie when we were walking. It's like, you know, these are the twenty five great shots from from this show, right? You know, so what are the rest of them? Were they, you know, decisions? You know, all that kind of stuff. I, um, I think I, I I agree with you. I, I I like the earlier, even more so than that. I like the process that he went through to get it. Taking these little negatives, then making an inner negative, and then making a positive. Right, and make, right. You know. So for you, you got off on 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 that part of it too. Right. And even if you didn't like the work, it may have been enough for you to get off on the process used to make the work. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Because that's because that's your that's game. part of my good. Right. right? Exactly. Right. So yeah. maybe it's about defining your own good. What makes good to you? You know, right? I don't know. It's a, it's a tough question. Yeah, uh, we uh we got this uh we got this other email the other day, which kind of lines up with it by this guy uh, John Dubois, right? Where he said, you know, we why is it that we're always pushing for a body of work? Why can't it just be a good collection of images that are completely unrelated to each other? You know, why can't you Fair point. work to make a bunch of single great images that have absolutely nothing to do with each other? Fair point. Uh, I, and is that an arbitrary, uh, 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 you know, restraint put on people by people who are trying to sell stuff or people who think, oh, you know, artists need to contain themselves. So you need to show us one topic or whatever, you know, is it okay? Is it a, to, to John's question, is it, is it a commercial restraint or is it an artistic restraint? Uh, that's a good question too. I think that 
in some ways those things are intertwined. Mm-hmm. At least certainly nowadays, you know, no, no one at MoMA is going to buy your photograph if you're not already somebody who's showing in some gallery and 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 have the have some sort of um patina on you, you know. And is I guess Either from the commercial world or or some sort of you know rich people even if, who like okay, art stuff. Even if you have hmm. First of all, what is a body of work? Does a body of work have to be a thematic body of work? Or if you've got a collection of a hundred really great images that are, that are sort of unique and, and disparate to themselves, isn't that still a body of work? Yeah. And, and why do, why do we feel the need to break up our stuff at all? You know? I mean, even on my website, you know, I've got my regular portraits. I got the conceptual stuff. Oh, but then the motion stuff is separate. Drabble stuff is separate. These corner portraits I have in a separate section. Like, right. Uh, all of that is your body of work. Right. But it's funny because if you put it all together, people go, I don't know what I'm seeing here. There's just so much different stuff. Right. So what do, do you know, which are, makes are me we... roll my eyes a lot of times, but it's, you know, but yeah. sorry, I cut you off. I, no, that's all right. I was just are are we are we having this? Do we have this weird need to distill everything into okay? What am I really looking at here? Do we not? Is it that we just don't want to try to understand? I I think that for say buyers of art or people who are going to hire me or whatever it is, yeah, there's a certain level of uh, friction that they want to avoid. You know, mm-hmm. show me what I need to see. Right. And nothing if, that I don't. I, I want to call you a portrait photographer. Right. So if you start showing me this motion stuff now, I don't know what to call you. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know what? I'm looking for somebody to take a picture of so and so. I'm not looking for somebody to take a picture of them in a boat with a with a cello in the water. Right. You know? Do like, that artsy stuff on your own time. Yeah, are you are like who are you? What do you do? What is it okay. that you take pictures of? You know, it's like there's absolutely no trust. I mean, look, you must have dealt with this when you were doing the stuff at uni. Where it's like the the your your ultimate clients have absolutely no vision or trust. You can't show them a concept unless it's so fleshed out that it's un un unacceptable that anybody wouldn't understand exactly what was going on. Right. You know, you, 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 your comps are basically you know working flash betas. I don't understand this design with Laura Mipsum in it. Can you put real text in it as if mm-hmm, that's going to make mm-hmm. any difference on the visual mm-hmm. design? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's like there's 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 no imagination. <laughs> you know. Uh, but that's, that's, that's so the, it's, not surprising. Is there more freedom then if we, if we relegate this to photography for a minute, yeah. you know, since <laughs> that's what we should be talking about. Yeah. Uh, is there more freedom in the photographic life of an amateur? And again, using that in, in, in quotes, than a than professional, a, than a professional photographer. Is there more freedom in some ways, but then, to to uh, you know create, expand, extend? But then look stretch? at look at the look at the, uh, the sort of spread of work of a lot of the photographers we've talked about as photographers of the week. Back in the day, certainly. Now I don't know. Uh, take Albert Watson. You know, like look at his work. His work doesn't look the same shot to shot. Mm-hmm. It looks way more different shot to shot than Irving Penn stuff does. You know. Um. Irving Penn definitely has a much more cohesive body of work than Albert Watson does, but I would say they're equally fantastic photographers. Sure. And, and probably on par in the sort of canon of, of, you know, right. Great photographers in history. And, and, and and certainly, you know, if you look at the, whatever the, the, 
the more recent book that that Annie Leibovitz put out, where you know it's like pictures from Niagara and oh, pictures uh, of her pilgrimage. Family. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay, well, you know, yeah. she's a yeah, right, but she's allowed to do, uh, be that sort of out there and try different stuff because she already has the following and the money and the prestige and all the rest of it. And now she could spread her wings, but somebody who's starting out doing a bunch of different stuff that's seen as a, uh, a, a negative, right? Um, most of Yeah. Most of the time. Right. It's like, well, what are you trying to say? Yeah, exactly. What, what are, are you trying, trying to, say? to say? Right. And now it's, it's only once you've said it that right. you, that you're free to go back and edit. And you, you know? can, and it's assuming that you want to say the same thing every time. Right. Which a lot of us aren't. Well, okay. Using Annie as as an example, let's let's continue this for a second. Are though are the photos in Pilgrimage not as good as her earlier work, or are they just different? Uh, I think her best work is her mid to late work for commercial stuff. Personally, I, a mm-hmm. lot of her early work, like I mean, you know that. A lot of the early stuff that you see, you know, like the uh, the the Amex commercials and the you know Bette Midler on the roses and all that stuff, right? Technically, they're not. I mean, they're like okay, it's fine, but like they're not well lit or anything like that. You know, it was later in her career that she actually got good at that stuff and started working with Pascal to do the retouching. Um, yeah, I, I I like her early, almost her photojournalistic stuff. Right. See where that stuff looks like it could have been taken by anybody for me. That doesn't mm. have any sort of there's there's no um, character to that stuff mm-hmm. for, for me, mm-hmm. right? So right, in, so in one person's career, you and I are disagreeing, right? You know, um, and and you could claim that the comparing that stuff to the middle editorial stuff to her later editorial stuff, those are completely different bodies of work, absolutely. But if you watch some documentary about the woman. They'll throw all that in as if, oh, this is this as almost as if this this collection of stuff was ordained by God to be right. You right. know, it's sort of like it's, this it's, it's presented. Yeah, it's much right. more fluid than it right. actually Th- is. That it was inevitable. Yeah, yeah. Which, of course, we know it isn't. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I think that I think that I think that the traditional art world wants to see things as a, a cohesive whole. Right. Personally, I've always felt far too constricted by that, maybe to my own detriment. I don't, you know, but I like doing, I like doing what I think I want to do and I want to make cool looking pictures or I want to make beautiful looking pictures and I do the best I can to do that. And if in the end that leads me to having stuff that is stylistically similar, just because they're all being taken by the same person, there's going to be a certain inherent Mm -hmm. feel to it. There's an argument to be made that, that if you sort of come to making stuff that feels like a whole, even if it's not of the same subject, but that you could tell that it was taken by the same photographer, that that's a good sign that you're so, you're sort of growing. I don't know into 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 a concept yourself. You know, maybe yeah. I don't know maybe. Uh, I, but I, but at the same time, then I always like, whenever I'm at MoMA, I walk around and there are, let's say there are 20 Picassos around the galleries. Picasso was all over the place, you know, sure. His early stuff, mid stuff, late stuff, completely different, completely different styles, completely sure. Like, couldn't even tell. And it's part of the reason I like Picasso is that he's kind of badass. I don't like all of it. 
you know, yeah. but I, I go, you know what? He tried that and it worked. He tried that. It, it, in my opinion, didn't work, but then he just moved on to something else. Right. He didn't feel like he had to make stuff that looked like the five Mademoiselles for the rest of his life. Yeah. I, uh, I feel the same way about de Kooning. De Kooning, same way, which is why I respect de Kooning and like de Kooning's work more than Pollock's. Mm-hmm. Plus he didn't seem as belligerently annoying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, I was listening to a, a friends of mine uh, from Berkeley do a podcast called Mixtapes from Hell. I tweeted it last night. Okay, and um, they had they had this 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 guy on. They're doing interviews with. Uh, they're doing. They did a three hour interview with this guy, and they broke it up into three episodes, like one week apart, just to to you know make it easier to to eat. Sure, uh, this guy Matt Wallace and. He did the Faith No More famous records and that kind of stuff. And, okay. and he did the, the replacements, Don't Tell a Soul, which mm-hmm. a lot of people who are replacements fans either hate or love, you know, and, and, and all the rest of it. And, um, you know, and he's, he's like talking about like all this stuff. And he was talking about how the replacements, somebody said, did you ever see the replacements sober? And he said, you know, they would come into the studio at, at noon sober but by two o'clock they were all lit like they would order booze into the studio wow like they were that much of drinkers right which which always icks me out like come on guys you know and apparently they would do belligerent things like draw on each other with magic markers to like you know like oh you're one of us now you know that kind of thing and this matt wallace guy was just like i don't even drink so like for me it was it was a bit of a thing to try to get in with them um but it, like, it, you know, as much as I like the replacements, when I hear stories like that, I'm like, they're just a bunch of jerks, you know, like who don't want to grow up, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a but tough maybe stuff. that's what they need to be to produce. Well, that was the the, their argument was we all have to get drunk together because then you know what a man's really about when his inhibitions are down. It's like, OK, well, what, what is, is it? A, was it in Fight Club or something else where it's like you don't really know a man until you fight him? What was yeah. that from? Yeah. Was in Fight Club. I don't know. Uh, where do you want to go from here? Uh, well, we're, we're, what are we at? 50 something? Yeah, about under that 40 something minutes. Let's, why don't you want to talk about our first sponsor? And then we'll yes. come back in. Yes. All right. We're, we're talking about Oscar today. Talking about Oscar. So if you're in New not, York. And not a grouchy Oscar either. No, if you're in New York or New Jersey and you need health insurance, listen up. Uh, Oscar, it's, it's look, look, why, why are we even talking about this? Oscar is a new kind of health plan company that uses technology to guide you to better care. It's pretty cool. They got this crazy app and everything like that. Uh, it speaks to people who are un, uh, under, uh, uninsured and can buy their own insurance through the new health insurance marketplaces. Have you dealt with these health insurance marketplaces? Uh, sadly I have the, yeah. the, the Cal- covered California and Kaiser and their website is abysmal. Uh, I've even been part of a focus group stating to try to make it better (laughs) it's it's it was like it was programmed by chimps yeah and i think i think the you know the the reason why oscar's around is to try to make a a new new sort of health insurance company that's not burdened by all the old stuff that's you know using technology the kind of people who listen to podcasts you know from hey from what little i've seen so far of it 
it looks. You, you wish you could get use, in California. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I yeah. looked it up and I was like, oh, it's not coming to you yet. Look, well, they've, okay. they, they've got great benefits. Their their Oscar plans cover you from head to toe with simple benefits that anyone can understand. Uh, plans include benefits like free checkups, uh, some free drug generic uh, generic drugs, uh, free primary care doctor visits. Uh, you can even uh, have a board certified doctor call you for free twenty four seven. This yeah. is what's pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, you look you look up your your uh, symptoms and whatever. It points you to a doctor. You can have them call you back. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's like a 21st century house call. Right. You like that? Which I mean, okay, with, with all of this technology at our disposal, shouldn't we, at our disposal, we should be there. Shouldn't yeah? Shouldn't this be sort of the way things work? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And so starting in January, Oscar members can receive up to $240 a year for reaching specific daily walking goals. This is interesting. Members will be given a misfit wearable device tracked through the Oscar app. Daily goals will be set based on each person's previous level of activity. So each member can have goals tailored to them. So, you know, Jeffrey, I know you can't get very far on the walker, but if you can make it <laughs> down to the mailbox and back, maybe that's your goal. For the day, there you know, there's but there's a dog that lives across the hall. <laughs> Couldn't I just like put it on the dog? <laughs> it's pretty good, right? Uh, but I mean, I think that that I mean, ultimately, you know, I go to the gym. I don't know, six days a week now, and I didn't used to. This is like a new thing in the past few years, and I'm sort of I'm coming around to the idea that it is your responsibility to take care of your own health in a lot of ways, you know, to sort of try to ensure sure. that you're, you're yeah. to, for the stuff you can control, you should try to control it. You know, I, um, I think for a lot of people, six days a week is probably excessive, but, but yeah. yeah, there should be some preventative. Yeah. You know, go for a walk instead of yeah. watching that TV show again. And look, and, and if, if you're saving money on your health insurance, because you're doing these goals, everyone wins, right? You're saving sure. money and you're getting healthier. Yep. But there, but look, people, there's, there's, you know, we got we, there's dates involved here. This because, app looks cool. By yeah, the way. I know it's totally cool, right? Uh, they've, they've got, they've got, so you got to sign up by certain dates, right? So if you want coverage by January first, you got to sign up by December fifteenth. You got to. You can't do. Right. Uh, oh yeah, actually, actually you yeah, can. you can. Okay. December fifteenth. Yeah. That's December fifteenth. I'm got, sorry. You got a My few mistake. Days, right. My mistake. If you sign up by January fifteenth, you'll get your insurance starting on February first. And uh, if you sign up by f- February fifteenth, you get your insurance starting on March first. So right. this is the open enrollment period that everyone talks about, right? So uh, you got to if you want to learn more about Oscar's health insurance plans or you want to get a quote, uh, you can go okay, to. I, I love I love this URL. By you the like way, like this yeah. highoscar.com/slash/otp. Right? <laughs> So H I O S C A R dot com slash O T P or give them a call. It's a one eight four four O S C A R seventy five. That's a special number just for just for on taking pictures listeners. Hi Oscar. Hi Oscar dot com yeah. slash O T P. You like that, and right? I, I do. Uh, and I so what? They're they're rolling this out to other areas. So if you call the number, you can you can see when they're coming. Whether, yeah, when they're coming or or if you're already covered in your area. Yep. There you uh, go. Pretty cool. Yeah. So we think this is a, this is a great use of technology. Well, I think think that, I think that in the long run, this is trying to, uh, to, to add technology to old stuff. Isn't as effective as starting over with new technology. A lot of times, right. Sometimes you just have to start over. We got to clear out the cruft. Right. So, so here we are, Oscar, check them out. Hi, Oscar.com slash OTP. Uh, phone number once again is eight, four, four O S C A R 75. Yeah, and good we, stuff. We thank Oscar very much for the support of Antique Pictures and Five by Five. Uh, so, are you going to start charging twenty seven hundred dollars for your paintings? 
pricing. Yeah, price. Well, okay. I don't. Pricing is another discussion, right? And I don't know that we have the the, the bandwidth to to do it because we'll it's all over the five map. minutes. Okay, so even even I, I put this this page, this Artnet auctions page, in in the show notes, just as an example, because on this one page. You've got photographs, prints that you can purchase that range from $1,000 to $13,000. Yep. Yep. So, and these are, these are, you know, some people you've heard of, some people you haven't. Seliger is on here. Lawrence Schiller's on here. Uh, yeah, but they're, but they are all sort of, they're all Hollywood people, right? They're all Hollywood people. So they have, they have a fan base who's obsessed with Marilyn Monroe or Leonardo DiCaprio or whatever. And they're going to sell these editions. 20 by 24 inch print signed on the back edition of 20, $2,700, but they're estimating three to $5,000. So the reserve is not met. Okay. But there's a Steichen in the studio portfolio of 12 works circa 1926 gelatin silver print current bid $13,000. Yeah. And it's 11 by four. Oh, it's, Oh, is it a, is it a collection of 11 by 14 prints? Yes. So you're getting a bunch of prints. Yeah. $13,000. Yep. And they were printed in 1984, an addition of 100. Yeah. But I mean, so you I, know I what? Just, we, you and yeah. I are not big into the art collecting thing. It may be that these prints, other versions of these prints sold by other people have that kind of value already, mm-hmm. you know, which is a whole other thing. Um, yeah, the, the 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 value. I mean, I'm I'm wrestling with this now. I mean, would what? And it's not even prints. It's I'm wrestling with the prices of the originals. Yep. Yeah. You know, and and my originals are nowhere near what these prints are going for. Of course not. Yeah. Well, look, the most I've ever sold a print for, I don't know, fifteen hundred bucks or so. And that was like once, but most of the time it's a lot less than that. So do you, do you, a couple things, do you go low or high? Because there's no love in the middle. There's no money in the middle. Sure. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, any yeah. industry. If, if you, you have to accept the fact that if you go high, you will likely not sell any or few, if any. Right. right? Um, yeah. And if but you go you low, the then you're on Etsy for 30 bucks. Right. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, with the problem with my is own- that no one knows who I am. No one knows who you are. I mean, people do, but not to the level of, you know, we're neither of us are Mark Seliger. Right. So right. I, it, and a lot of it does seem to be that sort of name recognition stuff. Right. You know, even if I took a picture that was a hundred times better than that picture of, of DiCaprio that Seliger took, which is a nice picture, by the way, let's just for th- theoretical sake, say I took one that was twice as good. There's no way I'd sell it for as much money. Cause I'm not Mark Seliger. Sure. Right, which goes to show that 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 market is 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 much about the names as it is. It's prestige. It's not necessarily objective value of the art. But that's the art market in general for the rest of well, time. And, and and there seems to be different markets. I, I'm I'm kind of going back and forth on uh, on iMessage with uh, Chris Varley um, about uh, pricing. He's he's kind of wrestling with the same things, and he's had a gallerist. Tell them you don't put prices on the, on the website. You, 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 don't, you don't price it. You, you, you say inquire within. Yeah, but you know what? That's also a gallerist living in the 1980s and 90s. You know what I'm saying? There, yeah. there are plenty of people who would say, I'm not even – like you're not even going to tell me the price on the website. I'm moving on. 
That's right? the thing. So it's a, that, that that is also it may work. I don't know, but it, it feels like very old world thinking. Right. So I, so what do you do? You know, do you, do you, is it fluid? Do you just keep trying things? Yeah. Do you know, for, I, try I'm, for 500. If it doesn't sell, try for 400. If it doesn't sell. Yeah. But you got to find that, where you are in the market because you know, there isn't, there isn't supply and demand in the sense that there's no demand for you or I, our work period. Right. Right. You know, no, like pent up demand. No. And this is what I'm wrestling with. Right. So do I put up the originals for a thousand dollars each? Is that too much? Is that too little? It sounds like a lot of money to me, but, but you put a lot of time and energy and materials into them. So in the, you know, it's like, um, uh, um, uh, artists I saw a couple of years ago, she had a bunch of stuff up on the walls and they almost everything sold and they were 10 or $15,000 paintings. And there were like, say 10 of them, but it was her, she, she does a show every two years. So it's like, okay, well let's say that there are 10 or 15 of them and she's getting 10. So let's say it's $150,000. Like, wow, $150,000 is a lot of money. Well, yeah, the gallery is going to take about half of it and that's two years of work minus materials. So she's actually making $26,000 a year. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, right. In which case spent charging $10,000 for the painting doesn't actually sound like all that much. Right. So, so you, you, you know, it, it, it's tough. All this stuff is really tough. Yeah. And I, somewhat I, I'm, impossible. I'm, I'm having a hell of a time with it, yeah. you know, well, because I, then I get, I get in my own, my own head about my own issues of worth. Yeah. And, and I'm not worth that much. Right. Whether right. or not the work is worth X number of dollars, right. I don't believe that I am. Uh, plus, you know, I've had people where I've been trying to figure out how to price something or how to bid on something. And, you know, you have people saying, oh, you're charging way too little and I'll, I'll, I'll bid for more and then I don't get the gig. And I was like, well, I just lost the gig because you told me to bid for more. Right, right. You know. And it's like, no, well, you, you know, there, there's all this like uh, game theory stuff going on. Like you have to come in high. So they think you're worth something, you know, and it's all that crap. It just seems like a big game. Yes, it does seem like a big game, you know, well, and, because and it is a big game. So so do, do I do I say, well, you know, I'm going to price them at six hundred dollars. Is right. that too much? Five hundred dollars. Is that too much? And I you, you, you got to try and see. You keep making these bargains with yourself. Most of the time I put stuff up and I'll sell a couple or I'll sell one or whatever it is. But in the end, I'm just like, was that even worth it? You know? Yeah, it's tough. It's totally tough. I would not want to be a painter or, you know what I mean? And, and would or I even price worse, these, sculpture. Who yeah. the hell buys sculpture? Would I price them differently if I were trying to do this for a living? Yeah. Good question. Versus you probably would. just one of the sort of one of the streams yeah you probably would and it's then that, that messes me up too so yeah. why it's worth more if i need to make rent mm, that seems odd yeah well because there there is no actual market for this stuff or there is but it's not you know anything that you could look at and say my paintings are just as good as this guy and this guy is charging ten thousand so it must be worth ten thousand and it's like well it doesn't work that way right it just doesn't yeah. you know I mean, it's the same thing for hiring out for, I mean, it's the same thing for my work that, you know, when people hire me, it's like, I think I could take great portraits of you, but I can't charge as much as the other guy who takes great portraits, or maybe I charge more than this other guy who takes just as good a portraits as me, but he can't demand what I demand, you know, who knows? Right, right. It's all, the, the best you could do is get as much money as you can and move on, <laughs> you know? Right. Well, we'll see. 
hopefully my my originals are going to be up in the next uh well january let's say all right uh so we got uh this this time magazine article when photographers become self-publishing companies do you see this i did what do you think I, I, uh I, is this the future self-publishing companies mm, that's a stretch self-publishers okay fair enough you know you know, it's, it's, it's well, one guy has published 13 photo books, including some other guy's book. Like, so maybe you put out your own stuff for a while and then you have a okay, friend well, who does good stuff. That's probably an exception. Yeah. But you I know? feel like all these people are definitely doing, uh, the, you know, the, the, somebody says here, if you're going to spend thousands of dollars to see their series turned into a book, they might as well pay for the freedom to do it the way they want. And if you're going to jump through that many hoops dealing with a publishing company, you might as well just do it independently. And you know what I mean? It's uh, look, it's, it's getting less and less expensive to get something say offset printed. Yep. Um, the but, question is who buys these things, you know? Well, like, there's yeah, that. You can, you can, you can get stuff printed in Korea. And if you want a thousand of them, you can get them for $20 a piece, but then you have a thousand books. You're going to sell a thousand books. Right. You know, not many, not many photographers sell a thousand books. No. Uh, I mean, even, fact, even then it's probably a handful. Yeah. Uh, if, if you, if you do a run of 5,000, that's a huge run. Right. Right. So, you know, I think my 365 portraits book, I think I sold seven or 800 of those mm-hmm. maybe. Um, and I had, you know, 365 people who were likely candidates, you know, I sold maybe 150 or 200 to them. Yeah. You know, but I did it just because it's like, I wanted to complete the thing. It was sort of the end of the, I did the project. I finished the pictures. You know what? Let's make a book. And that will be the, forgive the term bookend. You know what I mean? That's like, okay, it's, this is, this is the final result. Well, Um, even, even within the, the publishing world now, the books are becoming art pieces. You know, there, there are different, levels of of sort of book there yep. there's there's the blurb book yep. you know there there is an actual uh uh you know offset printed yeah. published yeah. book there's you, hard you cover, to there's france to get done on a certain printer right. or certain whatever it is like right. i have that um that uh, uh anton corbin yeah yeah uh book of the tom Waits stuff and it's like i paid 200 for it we have two of them and they're going for 1200 bucks on amazon now right so there are, and they made 5,000 of those. Now right. there is other books that I know they didn't like, I have the, the newer Crudson book, you know, the one with the, in the box. Yep. Yep. Right. And I think that's still not sold out on Amazon and well, they didn't you know make it, that many of those. I'm sure. I, that's an okay book. I love his work, but I think that book. Yeah. But I don't, the, the Tom Waits, it took Bay one. I, I don't think is particularly amazing. Yeah. So, you know, I, it's but but you have you have all of the crazy Tom Waits fans. Right. Well are, then you've got artists like Holger, who's in the group. Yep. Who who literally made his own book. Like yeah. bound it and stitched it himself. Yep. Kind of making Well, yeah, and if you're selling if you're only gonna make ten of them and sell them as their own art piece, so it's not the images in them that's the art, it's the book and the image you know, it's the package that's the art. Right. That's weird too. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's strange. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's changing to be sure. I think it's great uh, that people can do this now, but I also know 
a number of photographers for whom I know a number of photographers which name, you know, remain nameless who have books out, but I know that they self public, like that basically they paid to have it done. Right. They're vanity projects. They're not making money off them. They're spending money to have books out to say that they are a published photographer who has, you know, a coffee table book. Sure. They lose money on it. Sure. You know, so, but, but in, in, in who's to say that over the, the, the longer term of your career, that that's not a good thing. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, most of these people are retired people who maybe have been shooting all their life and they have a little money cause they're retired and they're doing this literally as a vanity thing, you know, maybe as, as, as something that will show up in their, uh, you know, obituary, you know, um, so yeah, it's 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 really tough. And then I know people who have a you know a room full of books at their house because they published and they you know got a bunch of books and now they're stuck with them. I don't know. Interesting article though. Go read it. Uh, I'll put it up in the show notes. Um, Vice dot com says that we're supposed to top, stop taking pictures of homeless people. How do you feel about this? Uh, I, sure. You know, I mean, I, I think again, it do comes this? down. It comes down to intent. I try not to. I have in the past, but I I try not to. Um, because I always end up feeling like it's, it's an easy target. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. You know? Yeah. And, and, and I guess, you know, when we were, we were doing a little pre pro on this show yesterday and I brought up this, this article, I said, you know, uh, if, if, um, Walker Evans took pictures of homeless people or blind people, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, is it different now that there everyone is holding a digital SLR and are all taking pictures of the blind guy or the homeless guy? Is is that is 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 it less more offensive now that so many people are doing it? Right. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I mean, now it's cliche, and by doing it, it's even more offensive because of the cliche. Maybe. Uh, this guy writes in this article, I've noticed a disturbing trend that seems to plague the best and worst of them, taking pictures of homeless people. I don't know what all of these people saw that made them believe taking a picture of some dude having a bad time is art, but 99% of the time it's lazy and beyond lame. Um, yeah, but you know what? The same could be said of, you know, Nan Golden's pictures of drag queens in New York and whatever it is. You know, I I don't agree with that at all because Nan Golden, because those people got permission no, I, Nan Golden, if, if, according to her, these were people in Friends her life. Hers. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. This, isn't, this so, isn't just me across the street okay. with a 200 millimeter lens. So if I was friends with the homeless guy and took pictures of him, that's different. Absolutely, I okay. think. All right. You know, it, think. One, of my, one of my subjects in 365 Portraits was a homeless guy who a friend of mine introduced me to, and I spent some time and I took pictures of him. And about three years later, I got an email from his son who hadn't seen him in 15 years and didn't know where he was. Right. And found him through my picture of him. Okay. So that so right there is, is right. something different yeah. than again, just sort of walking through downtown LA, yep. DC, Chicago, or New the York gypsies in Italy or whatever. Yeah. Yep. And, and going, you know, Oh, here's something that's interesting, except that it's not interesting. Right. Yeah. But if people are sharing it and people are getting results from that sharing, isn't it interesting? Is it really a moral question of whether or not you should do it? 
It's 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 a personal statement. I you know I I yeah, I choose not to do it too. Yeah. But I'm saying if somebody takes that picture and puts it up on Flickr and people are like that's an amazing photograph. Is it? But is, but why? What is it amazing? Is it amazing because it's 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 a it's a life that that seems so different and you somehow feel sad for it's just well hey people go to india and africa and whatever and take pictures like that that we look at all the time yeah right yeah i don't know yeah why why is it different if some nat geo guy goes to india and does it i don't know i can't answer that yeah i don't know either but anyway interesting by the way you said uh, this guy it's actually a woman named Wendy. oh i'm sorry sorry uh, but yeah, uh, so I'll put that up in the show notes. Stop taking Woman. pictures of homeless people. What's her name? Uh, Wendy Sifret. Wendy Sifret. Wendy. Okay. Um, yeah. I, uh, by and large, I, I agree with your article, Wendy. Um. So yeah, let us know what you think about that one. That that one, I'm interested in some uh, some feedback. Uh, uh. So yeah, send us an email. What is it? Podcastedontakingpictures dot com. That's the email address. I always forget what we use for that. Hey, they're doing Do that. They're doing that whole uh, what's it called parallax thing on this website too. Yeah, that's the new hotness, isn't it? It is the new hotness. Just, just, just do it right so you can still be indexed. Oh, is that what people do wrong? Eh, apparently, it's hard to index the content if you do it a certain way. I don't know. Anyway, don't I'll digress. Index your content. Um, what do you think? Do you think women can't paint? I think this is a dumb article. <laughs> This is just so, I'm like, what are you, really? Come on. What is this? It's so provincial. How do you pronounce this guy's name? George Baslitz? Baslitz? You're the painter. I don't know. I don't, I'm not a, am I? I'm not. Uh, Yeah, this this guy says, what's the biggest problem with women artists? None of them can actually paint, says George Baslitz. He's saying that, that women aren't important artists because their art isn't important. That's ridiculous. That is, that is not a gender thing. It's not a gender thing in the sense that people are keeping down great women artists. He's saying that there just aren't as many great women artists. Okay, fine. There might not be as many, but making that ridiculous ah, statement. But hold on a second. Might not be that uh, as many. Why aren't there as many? I don't know. I'm, and I'm not saying that there aren't. Okay, but I'm I, saying, thought, I thought you were going I, somewhere there. No, okay. I'm saying that I, I could I could easier, I, I, it would be easier for me to believe that there aren't as many than making this ridiculous statement that they can't paint. You know, uh, yeah. uh, Helen Frankenthaler, Frida Kahlo, Tamara Delempica, uh, you know, the, 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 there are some fantastic yeah. female painters. Yeah. I just, I just think it's, it's, dude, the dude is 75 years old too, right? He's yeah. living in, he's living in a different world. Didn't, didn't, uh, de Kooning's wife paint too? Uh, I don't, Pollock's wife did. And a lot of people thought she was great. In fact, they mentioned her in this article uh, where is it? I saw this last, uh, in 1937 artist Hans Hoffman said Lee Krasner's work was quote, so good. You would not know it was painted by a woman. Oh, see, well, fair enough. this was in 1937, yeah, but still in 1937, still. he probably meant it as a, as, as a, oh. as a compliment. Right. Um, Women don't paint very well. It's a fact, the 75-year-old German artist told the German newspaper Der Spiegel. Yeah. And that, despite the fact that they still constitute the majority of students in the art academies. Yeah. But he he was nice enough to to concede that there are exceptions. Okay, but uh, okay, just to to go out on a limb here, and this is not my personal opinion, and I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh Okay, there are... All, it just said there are more women in art academies, right? 
Uh-huh. So let's say that the average amount of painters that come out of art schools per year, more of them are women. Okay. Do you think that the gallery system is inherently biased towards men? I know nothing about the gallery system, so I, I have right. no See, it would be it's surprising to me that now people who are 25 years old who are you know up-and-coming painters, that gender would still be a thing of whether yeah, or not why do they you care? sold the work. Is, it, is, I, it, I can't, is I, it work that moves you or is it not? Right. It's hard for me to believe that that would still be a thing where somebody would say, oh, I really like her work, but it's a woman. So I don't think a woman right. is going to sell. I hang that on my wall. You know, Because I know I have friends of mine who are gallery, you know, represented painters in New York City. Mm-hmm. And none of them have ever said, you know, I, I, I didn't get anywhere, bec- you know, I had a hard time finding a, a thing because I was a woman. You know, so I wonder, remember that, remember that episode of, um, this American life we listened was it this American life we listened to with the woman who kept, uh, got an email or a letter from a guy who was asking her to send free work to him. And it turned out he was asking all kinds of artists to send them. Oh work. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it turns out like she is now a big deal cause her stuff got picked up by, I don't know, some famous collector bought one of her things and now everyone loves her cause some famous collector bought it. Um, it's just, I feel, I hear, I, in fact, I, in my personal experience, I have a lot more friends who are women who are fine artists than men. (laughs) So, I mean, I'm, I'm just doing Google, a Google search for, for female artists and there's some amazing work. So, yeah, I wonder if this is still true for today's generation or if this is true of our parents or grandparents generation. And this guy is from our parents or grandparents generation. And so it, it hasn't been long enough for the women artists of the last 30 years to become important again, in the same way we were talking about Tony Bennett. Maybe, I don't know. Or is it just some weird sort of, you know, yeah. it's patriarchy. an interesting article. And, the, and it's, you know, they, they interview a couple people, including, you know, uh, female art historians and stuff talking about a bunch of people. Um, it's interesting. I mean, interesting in the sense that it's stuff we've talked about. So independent.co.uk. Yeah. What's the problem with women artists? None of them can actually paint, says George Baselitz. We'll put it in the show notes. That's like, it's, it's stupid. Yeah. 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 Um, But if, you know, if they can paint just as well as the men or whatever it is, and maybe we're wrong in saying that, like, I just, it doesn't add up because, because they're in it for the money, you know, who is in it for galleries. Sure. So, like, if it's good work, they're going to try then, to sell. It. In fact, I, you could argue that there's a there's an argument to be made that, like, oh, this is an important woman artist, and that actually gives an advantage in the gallery system because I'm sure there are people out there looking to buy female artists to try to, you know, to, I I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, weird. Um, what else we got? We got uh, one last thing here before we get to this, uh, towards the end. Oh of the show. yeah. Uh, my friend Mark sent me this, uh, and these are, uh, uh, four by five scans of four by five a while ago, but they're beautiful. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Kodachrome shots taken during world war two. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're large transparencies. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. You know, what's interesting about these and we'll put the link in the show notes. In fact, you know what? I'll do it. Let me put the link of the to the English version. 1942. Um, yeah, these were all, looks like all of yeah. them, 1942. What's interesting to me is how much light they had to use. Okay. Yeah. Go down to the third one, the three women working on the aircraft engine, right? See that one? Yep. yep okay. Yep. Look at the giant 
bright halogen lights that are up on the ceiling of the factory yep. that you can barely see. That you can barely see. Yeah. And those were lighting the factory enough for these people to work. So what kind of pow, yeah. you know. Well, and look at the, look at the fall off on the girl on the left here. Yeah. How, how, how just massively bright she is. Yep. What, what is this, this other woman five feet away, four feet away? Yeah. And her, her top yeah. is almost gone to black on her left sleeve. Yeah. Or, or a couple down, all the kids in the room, there's like a flash, but you can't even see back. Look at the outside. I'm assuming it wasn't dark outside. Right. Like, I mean, old original, what was it? ISO 25? Was that what the ISO 20? What was the original Kodachrome? I think it was 25. Right. Which is actually what you have to shoot Polaroid 55 at. And you need a lot of light to do yeah. that. So it's interesting. Even the woman out in the sun holding up the shredded. Oh, the, all the shredded. The aluminum, aluminum or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just fascinating. So it's interesting. I wonder how they actually lit half this stuff. You know, that test pilot have. looks Lieutenant Mike Hunter. Oh, with army the, test pilot. With the mic around his neck. Yeah. yeah. Look at that guy. You like that. That's awesome. Yeah. That these, is terrific. These program. are beautiful. And you know what? Kodachrome, the skin tones d- did have a certain look to them, didn't they? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. these were also probably printed using, what was the, what was the thing called? We looked at, we were talking about the other day, the Debbie card, the. Oh, uh, Shirley card. Shirley card. You know, so it, the, 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 the film was designed to make white people's skin look good. <laughs> you know, that was like the goal. Yeah, these are great. And everything falls where really it may. There, there's the picture towards the bottom of the tank going through the puddle. And look uh, how the yep, shadows yep. just go to black. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, or the one below that with the two girls in the, the two cockpit. Girls in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Assembling the, like, the, the right, So they had a flash like. over here and a flash over there. My but favorite. Again, look at look at the ceiling lights there. Yeah, you know, can barely see I mean, them. How many stops down is that? You uh, know, from, from where we're at. Six. You know, that's, they're just, yeesh. Yeah. One of my favorite ones, actually, about two thirds of the way down, number 33. Actually, it's about a third of the way down. Number 33, a winter afternoon in the yard master's office. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That almost looks like a, uh, 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 what's it called? Um, painter, the guy that I really like, who paints the stuff up in Vermont and the Saturday Evening Post. His Norman name Rockwell. Is Norman Rockwell. It looks like a Norman Rockwell set, you know? Yeah. These are terrific. Uh, so uh, take a look. There are, looks like, what are they? 38, 38 yeah. photographs here. Yeah. I also like number 35 with the little white girl outside the store, but then the black mother and son walking out. Yep. That's I mean, how nice different shot. that would have been. N and Union Street Southwest in Washington, which is a weird area now. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, look at that. Uh, posters of Mussolini, Hitler, and Yamamoto in the window. Oh yeah, yeah. Weird. Yeah. Uh, if if you if you like this kind of thing, uh, in fact, they reference it in the caption. The site is called Shorpy. S H O R P Y. Shorpy dot com, and it's it's a terrific site for uh, for like vintage photographs like this, mostly black and white, but they do throw in some color every once in a while. We will uh, put a link to that. Shorpy dot com. Uh, all right. So Jeffrey, here's the thing. Here's the thing. What is the thing? I don't want to do accounting anymore. Oh Jesus. Neither do I. You have any, Ever. You, do you have, do you have something that could help me? Well, you know, if, if you want to do, I think what you're saying, Bill, yeah, is you want to do less accounting. I do. 
I absolutely do want to do less accounting. You want, you want to do less accounting. So, you know, I, if only there was a place where you could go <laughs> to do less accounting, less, let me, let me tell you something. Accounting. If I was going to start a company that made software, you know, a website to, to, so that I would have to deal with, with less accounting, you know what I'd call it? Don't do a lot of accounting.com? No, I would call it lessaccounting.com, you idiot. Sure. Well, that'd be the obvious yeah. choice. <laughs> if you want to go there. <laughs> you, you want to take this read? So, yeah, if you, if you own your own photography business or you're a, you're a freelance photographer. That's me. That's me. Yeah. What, so what, 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 are you a photography business owner or are you a freelance photographer? Uh, what's, the, what's the delineation there? Hold that thought, but think about it. Okay. Uh, and, and you want an easy way to take care of your finances, less accounting, they've made this for you, right? Yeah. Uh, most people don't like bookkeeping. I know I don't, and I'm horrible at it. Uh, but it's a necessity. You know, you have to do it. You got to keep your finances in order, especially when you're dealing with clients, uh, whether you're invoicing or chasing down money. Uh, so, nothing so worse less, than chasing down money. Yeah, it is the worst, really. So th- think, of, think of less accounting as, as your own bookkeeper, right? Uh, you can learn quickly, uh, even if you don't know anything about bookkeeping or you're coming from something like QuickBooks. Always hated QuickBooks. Uh, you know, it, it seems to have gone through a bunch of changes. It's too, it's too much for yeah. most people. Yeah. Uh, even if you're content with your current accounting software, you might want to take a quick look huh, uh, at less accounting to see how accounting could be easier for you. Uh, Less Accounting has all the tools you need to stay organized. You can send invoices. You can track and categorize expenses. Uh, You can save accounts. You can set reminders. Uh, You know, see just how your business is doing, the whole healthier business in one glance. Uh, You can even track mileage. So if you're driving out to a shoot or, you know, I wonder if you could, could you track Subway? Because you don't have a car. So could, uh, it's could true. You, I would have to. Could you write off the subway fees? I'm sure you could add the subway fares as an expense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, works with thousands of domestic U.S. banks, so importing your data is simple and secure. You can even import your contacts from programs you already use, like Basecamp, uh, which we've just started using, Rise or Gmail. Uh, so, uh, you know, if you're, if you're not already using less accounting, because we've talked about it a couple times, if you haven't taken advantage of this stupid ridiculous <laughs> offer wait then wait, wait what what is this stupid ridiculous offer 82% off it's impossible 82% off for the first 2 months right yeah so you go to lessaccounting.com enter the offer code on taking pictures that's the show you're listening it's, to it's original yes <laughs> yeah uh to get 82% off for the first two months, or you can sign up for a free 14 day trial. You got nothing to lose. So go check out less accounting. Take a few minutes, uh, save yourself a lot of frustration, uh, in the future. And, uh, we thank less accounting for their support of on taking pictures. Thank you guys. 82% off. Uh, I think my answer is that I am a freelance photographer in so much as I don't have a storefront. Yeah. And okay. So photography business would maybe be like a, a commercial like a, studio yeah, type thing, like a head shop place, or even, right. you know, I, or or, and I have people pay me. I don't have like Wadman Photography LLC. Like I don't. Right. Okay. Okay. Like I'm a sole proprietor, so um, so I think that would be the distinction. Yeah. And I'm not. I just I have all my clients are sort of you know I have a bunch of clients that I work with every once in a while. I don't have you know what I mean. Uh, 
I don't work for somebody in, in a sure. very standard way. So anyway, it's interesting. Um, all right, what do we got left? We're, we're, right, we're the, getting the, down we're, here. We're right up there. Uh, the group. Uh, hey, first of all, a, a huge, a huge on taking pictures. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Christopher Matheson for uh, all the work he's done. It, Christopher has has taken every show uh, has has uh, created a document. The link we'll put the link in the show notes. In fact, that's we should do that. Uh, created a document listing every show, what the photographer of the week was, what type of photography that photographer of the week is primarily known for, and when we started doing the assignments, he's listed all of the assignments by hashtag in there as well. So. Thank you, uh, Christopher, for doing that. You have so, way too much time. It probably took him five or ten minutes to do that. Let's let's be honest. What? <laughs> well, thank you for the five or ten minutes, Christopher. <laughs> uh, yeah, like thirty-seven hours later, Matheson's like going, yeah, oh, yeah, all bleary eyed. Like, Screw these guys. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> cursing us out in Japanese. <laughs> uh, okay, probably so, sounds much cooler than English, so. Yeah. Uh, last week, uh, collage was was not a lot of buy-in on this, but what was posted was really good. I agree. Uh, uh, Matheson posted a really terrific one. Uh, Jason, um, let's see who else we got. Uh, Robert, good stuff. Uh, Bobby Tingle, good stuff. Um, really, really interesting. And and so we're we're gonna try and and do another. Another another project, another emotional project. We're going to try and do joy. Maybe go through several emotions and see what we can come up with. So, so okay. shoot joy this week. You know, joy to the world. It's Christmas time, right? For many of us, some of us. I don't know. I don't care, but, you know, some people do. You don't care about Jesus Christmas? being born? No. Doesn't do anything for you? No. Nah. All right. Mates. This, uh, this, t- this, this time of year is really hard for me. Well, I, yeah, I'll tell you, I'm going down to... Uh, See my niece and nephew this weekend. Uh, right. So, so maybe I'll try to do something with joy down there. Yeah, joy. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be Christmas joy. It can be any kind of joy. Sure. Or it can be a person named Joy. What was that? Thung. What what's, was that? What's joy? Did you, just, did you just hit your mic stand or something? That. What is that? That's uh, me you have hitting a timpani? the- You have a timpani drum in Does your- Does it sound like your, that? <laughs> I uh, I, it's actually me hitting the, uh, the uh, little metal- um, pop filter thing I've got. Sorry ah, about that. Okay. Didn't didn't mean right. to interrupt. That's right. Uh, so some uh, other than that, really great stuff. Uh, well, this is this this would be a good uh, assignment for you then. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Did you look at this shot that Aaron did? Uh, let's see, somewhere in the Northgate neighborhood of how would you even pronounce that? D A E G U Daegu Daegu Daegu. Yeah, wait, how far down is this? I feel like I've seen this one. Black and white, person walking with an umbrella into the light. It's great. Uh, you can't Don't go wrong me, with people walking into the umbrella. Don't make me pronounce things. You know we're horrible at it. You make you you people make fun of us about you know, it. In the grand scheme of things, I think we do pretty well. You know Maybe. what? None of these people have shows and have to embarrass themselves every week. <laughs> That's right. Right? All right. I'm just saying. All right. Oh, yeah, that is uh, a nice shot. So, uh, photographer of the week this week. Yeah. What do you got? Are they, are they photographer of the week brought to you by, do we have that? Oh, we should do that. Yeah. Sponsored by you, the listeners. 
What's uh who's the photographer of the week? Arthur Leipzig. Uh don't like him. Really? No, I'm just kidding. Oh. I like him. <laughs> uh d- d- died this last is, week. Yeah, died last week. Also, at, well, by the 90, way, represented by Greenberg. 96, 97. Yeah. Yeah. Uh my favorite picture in the New York Times thing is the one of him at the the second shot of him with the Leica whatever M3 or whatever. Uh where he's sitting at the front of the fishing boat with his feet up. Yeah. I love that shot. Yeah. Uh I I will warn you his his official website is horrible. Yes, as most of those old guys. It's horrible. Who who came up with the idea to launch two new windows have the thumbnails in one window? That's then targeting another window to display the image. Ridiculous. Come on, guys. Yeah. This is just horrible design. But that's not surprising, right? Uh, not really. But it is, it is really bad design. Uh, so, so a little about him. Born in Brooklyn, 1918. Uh, after studying photography at the Photo League in 1942, he became a staff photographer for the newspaper PM, where he worked for the next four years during this period, he completed his first photo essay on children's street games. In 1946, he left PM. After a short stint at international f- news photos, he became a freelance photojournalist, traveling on assignments around the world, contributing to uh, the Sunday New York Times, This Week, Fortune, uh, oh, another shooter for Look magazine and Parade. Everyone shot for look back in the day. That's what I've come to the conclusion. Look, they had, they, they, it seems like they had everybody, right? They were huge. Yeah. Uh, now it, if he, he taught photography at, at the urging of Edward Steichen, <laughs> of course. Yeah, sure. Steichen says, Hey, you should teach. <laughs> and I, and so he taught. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I like, so I also what? like to shot the chalk games one. Yeah. Prospect place where like, it's all the stuff written on the thing shot from above. It's all chalk writing on the ground. Yeah. I like the I like the chalk on the ground stuff. I I would love to see uh, n- n- these prints in person. This is this is something that I think I I would really like to see. And I like the variety of his work, the variety of subject matter. You know, yeah. he's shooting he's shooting sort of abstracts and architecture, but then he's shooting photojournalism. He's doing portraiture. He's doing you know he's he's one of those one of those older guys. And we've talked about these type of photographers many times that it seems like the further back you go, the more the variety in the body of work. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think that's true. I, I wonder if that's, um, and if that is true, maybe it's just the way the times go and you can't do anything about it, you know, kind of got to go with oh, the flow. Gosh, this Canadian lumberjack work train Wait, on did page you see the, two. Did you see the one, uh, taking on assignments for various publications, uh, Leipzig, uh, Sometimes encountered perils in his work. A cobra once slithered into his shower in the Sudan. Nope. No, thank you. No. Yeah. No. Love you. I'm sure you're very sweet, but uh, I'm just going to stay here. Thanks. You may have the cobra to yourself. Uh, Yeah. Great work in the Sudan in the 1960s. Um, And uh, okay. Again, to to our, our, our very first discussion, if you look at some of these, would these be the same shot on you know, a D 800 with no film grain, you know? Well, I think the bigger question is if you shot today with a D 800 and come back 50 years later, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. The, does, the, does, the, does the change carry through? Right. The cameras, I, I think in some ways the medium matches the time, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 
early digital has a certain look, which, you know, at the time we didn't like whatever it is, but people now look at it and go, oh, that feels like the late 90s, early 2000s. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. And this is good stuff. Winter fishing in the North Atlantic, 1954. Jeez. Winter fishing deserves a... Co- oh, sorry. What? <laughs> uh, if you go into page three, he's yeah, this shooting This is color. weird the way this is done. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, don't don't let the terrible website throw you. It, there, there's some really beautiful work. Remember, remember pop-ups? Mm, good stuff. Remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not as much as I remember flash intros. Hey, you used to make them, buddy. Uh, well, not you're, for myself. You were though. part of the problem. <laughs> I guess I kind of was. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> sorry, you still are. So it's. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Arthur Leipzig, fantastic. The color work. stuff in the mountains and in the the ocean, the Niagara Falls. See, his picture of Niagara Falls is much better than Annie's. I agree. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of that book. Neither am I. It's, it, you know, meh, it's okay. I like her commercial work and her editorial work. I don't like her personal work as much. Yeah. Uh, this stuff is, is again, it's all over the place. And and he he brings a really great eye to his work. I'm, I'm, I'm really a, I didn't know much about him until this was sent in to us. And I'm, I'm so glad it was. It's at, very good. Work. At what point are we actually going to exhaust the uh, the Magnum photographers? I don't know. There's, it seems like it's a never-ending trove of There's always, guys of this ilk. Yeah, really good stuff. Maybe we need to find some more women Magnum photographers. Fine. Well, have we done? Have, have, you know what? I've I've got this book, and I'm actually I'm putting up a review of it. This this great Prestel book uh, on women photographers, and it's you know I, I kind of start the review with with you know take a minute and make a list of of five women photographers. Okay. And if you know that, that that's, if you, if you did get to five now, try and get to 10. Right. And, and chances are you can't. My bigger question is if you can't get to 10 or to 15, is that your fault or is that society's whose fault is that? I don't think there's a, a fault really. I mean, right. I but there were some people who would say, blame. well, you're, you're, you are somehow limiting your own exposure by not, you know, there's some people who would argue that. Yeah, I I think it's incumbent on you to go seek out good work, right? You know, yep. it, it, it's it, I don't know, or or go find a site that will seek out that work for you. Fadenblurred.com. <coughs> nice, I like that. Huh? You huh? you have anything else to say before we wrap up? <laughs> Perhaps you'd like to say fadenblurred.com once again. <laughs> oh no, that's all right. Jeez. <laughs> Gosh, there are other sites besides fadedandblurred.com. Yeah. Not as good, but uh, there are other sites. <laughs> nice. Uh, and it'll, it'll be even better in January. Uh, anyway, so uh, podcast at ontakingpictures.com. Bill uh, hand, lovingly handcrafts tweets at Bill Wadman. I do. Yep. You do. You've been tweeting more lately. I've been enjoying it, actually. I've been tweeting a bit, yeah. yeah. Trying to. Uh, I, Jeffrey Sidoris. I tweeted Jeffrey Stores yep. and uh, oh, we you like can call the, us. We love these. We got a few yeah. this week and they're we got, really We good. got, yeah. Uh, who, oh, Martin sent, Martin sent us one. It wasn't a voicemail, but Martin Dorsch. Yeah, re- records audio and then emails it to us. Yeah, which is so pimp. Thank you, Martin. Uh, Tom from Michigan. Keep them coming, Tom. Yep. Uh, 347-687-9411. And uh, I think that's it. All right. You good? Good to go. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening, everyone. Tell a friend. Uh, go leave a review or rating on iTunes. 
And uh, we'll see you next week. Excellent. Right.